This is Shi'ar Jashub, coming from Shi'ar Jashub Christian Tabernacle in Madison, Connecticut, and featuring the ministry of Pastor Greg Scalzo. Today, we will begin the next Heavenly Authority teaching as Pastor continues discussing prophecy in the New Testament. This morning, we return to the Heavenly Authority series, uh, to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And just like we needed background when we studied the section on tongues and we went back into the book of Isaiah, I believe in order to appreciate what's coming up in chapter 14, um, we're going to need some more background. Remember that in speaking about prophecy, Paul has said many times over in this chapter that it is for edification. It is for the building up of the church. I'll reread 1 Corinthians 14, verse 3. But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. Exhortation, urging, edification, building up, comfort to men. And he clearly teaches that they profit by the clear words being spoken to them. He says in uh, verse 6, But now, brethren, if I come to you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you? Unless I speak to you either by revelation, by knowledge, by prophesying, or by teaching. And obviously teaching is also there with prophesying and word of knowledge to give clear words of understanding. There is a tension in this church at Corinth, and they're in the spirit. They're speaking tongues. They're all speaking in tongues as they're in the spirit. And perhaps to some, it seems to them that Paul is driving them out of the spirit by giving them these set standards and this explanation of why the assembly should go about uh, in a different way when they come together. In verse 15, he makes it clear. He says, What is the conclusion then? I will pray with the Spirit, and I will also pray with the understanding. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will also sing with the understanding. Both. Paul wants to see both. He wants to see them in the Spirit, and he still wants them too to be able to understand. And so the church service, the assembly was important that the people understood what was going on, that God gave them clear revelation. And it required a degree of maturity. They were certainly lovers of the Lord Jesus Christ. They loved him, and yet the church we've seen over and over in our study of 1 Corinthians has a lot of problems, right? They have problems as a church. There are divisions, dissensions, pride, malice as a church body. As individuals, Paul has to deal in previous chapters with sin, and not only with sin, but, but sometimes gross sin on the part of the Corinthian church. And so they're like babes. They have the spirit, but they lack the maturity of understanding the gospel of Jesus. And he tells them in verse 20, he says, brethren, do not be children in understanding, do not be children in understanding. However, in malice, be babes, but in understanding, be mature. 
they needed a degree of maturity, and sometimes that maturity is only born by experience to see situations develop and understand. And Paul has the experience as an apostle to speak to them in this way. Down in verse 24, uh, we read, uh, but if, if all prophesy, but if all prophesy and an unbeliever or an uninformed person comes in, he is convinced by all, and this is where we left off last time, he is convicted by all. And some of your translations will translate the word I read convicted as judged. He is judged by all, examined by all. And that is an extremely important part of prophecy. To convict, to examine, to judge. It's an extremely important part of prophecy, but it's not always a very comfortable place to be in. Uh, and you consider this church, the problems they have as a church, as individuals, yet by the grace of God, because of their faith in Jesus Christ, in the assembly, they are graced by the presence of the Holy Spirit. But still, as they experience that anointed presence, as they get moved, as they get showered by the Holy Spirit, yet even in that, their selfishness, their lack of self-control shows itself through in a sacred time. And Paul has to deal with that. And that's why we have these instructions about prophesying in tongues, um, as well as other things he will tell them in the church. Paul's entire letter to deal with the immaturity to this church it's part of the Lord's desire to direct, correct, and convict them. A conviction which is not always comfortable. A conviction which is not always a rosy, happy place. They like just being there and praising God, which is good. But God has something for them that's even greater, that requires them to be in that place of the Holy Spirit, but to be focused and what they're going to do. Now, here's the background I was speaking about before. Uh, if you remember several times back in the series, we discussed why prophecy was often quenched in the church, why prophecy was often despised in church history, if you remember. And one reason we gave was the false prophets. We read the Lord's words in Matthew chapter 7, verse 15, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. We saw that at the end of the age, uh, there will be a time of many false prophets. Remember in Matthew 24, verse 11, then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And we talked about the false prophet of the book of Revelation and the false prophet, the sorcerer, Elymas, back in Acts chapter 13 at the time of Barnabas and Paul. And false prophecy, one thing we didn't discuss when we went over that section, false prophecy does not always take the form of clearly bad fruit, of the cultic, of the pagan, of the new age, of the heathen, uh, that sets itself directly in opposition to God's work. There is sometimes more subtle false prophecy. And maybe because it's more subtle, it's more dangerous, especially 
more dangerous especially to believers. We're going to go back to the book of Jeremiah for background. So if you turn to the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah is a, a book of prophecy that's critical to understanding the way God interacts with man. Remember, Jeremiah is the book that in chapter 31 proclaims the coming day of the new covenant. Jeremiah saw clearly into the time of Jesus. The prophet Jeremiah is the one, if you look in chapter 1, verse 5, to whom the Lord said, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Jeremiah prophesied. He set apart even from the womb. And he prophesied during the reign of the last five kings of southern Judah. His ministry lasted about 40 years. And he proclaims a message to the stiff-necked people of southern Judah, a message of imminent doom, of destruction coming, of the nation falling, of Jerusalem being destroyed by the Babylonians. And because he proclaimed, and you read about these prophecies, and you read about his life as he delivers these prophecies to the people, he follows, obviously, the captivity of northern Israel into Assyria. So the people had the example of what happened to northern Israel. As you read about his life, you see the life, sometimes a very frustrated prophet, because he's telling them something they do not want to hear. And because he proclaims the truth of the situation, his message most often is not received very warmly. For that matter, at one point, he gets so frustrated, he tries to hold back the proclamation, but he cannot. If you look in uh, Jeremiah chapter 20, Jeremiah chapter 20, down at verse 7, Jeremiah is pleading with the Lord. He says, O Lord, you induced me, and I was persuaded. You are stronger than I, and have prevailed. I am in derision daily. I'm ridiculed. I'm scorned daily. Everyone mocks me. For when I spoke, I cried out. I shouted, violence and plunder. That's his message. Violence and plunder are coming. It was the message of God. We're going to see that in a minute. Because the word of the Lord was made to me a reproach and a derision daily. So because this message he's given to the people is a message of darkness, he's being scorned daily. Then I said, I will not make mention of him, nor speak any more in his name. I'm going to just keep quiet. I'm not going to say anything. He's not getting any place. But his word was in my heart like a burning fire. The Spirit of God is so strong inside him, he cannot help but to speak. I was weary of holding it back. He's trying not to say it, but I could not. I could not. For I heard many mocking, fear on every side, they say. Report, they say, and we will report it. All my acquaintances, some of your translations will say friends, all my acquaintances watch for my stumbling, saying, perhaps he can be induced, then we will prevail against him 
and we will take our revenge on him. So even his friends are turning against him. He must be bringing bad times to them by his proclamation of violence and plunder. And as they mock him, they mock the friends. So the friends turn against him even. Then we will prevail against him and we will take our revenge on him, they say. And then Jeremiah says, but the Lord Yahweh is with me as a mighty, awesome one. Therefore, my persecutors will stumble and will not prevail. They will be greatly ashamed, for they will not prosper. Their everlasting confusion will never be forgotten. Now, notice that line. Their everlasting confusion. They're confused. They don't understand the way of God. They're confused. So when Jeremiah speaks, they don't want to hear it. And rather than turning on God, what do they do? Just like the people in Moses' time, they turn on the messenger. Everyone's afraid of God. They don't want to, you know, go against God, even the superstitious. But they turn on the messenger, and they turn on Jeremiah. And he says their everlasting confusion will not be forgotten, and it has not been. Future generations of Jews would hold Jeremiah as one of the greatest prophets. Isaiah, Jeremiah. Two of the greatest prophets. Why? Because his words came true. We invite you to view our new Shi'ar Jeshub Christian Tabernacle channel on YouTube, Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. Each study is then posted up on YouTube to be viewed 24-7. So please join us live or at your convenience afterwards. You can search YouTube for the channel or use the link we have placed on the church website at shiarjashub.org.